Hello and welcome to episode 2012 Mark Stone of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your co-host Colin Cudmore, joined as always by my fellow co-host Trevor Shackles. The All-Star Week is now behind us, and now that we no longer have to think about that weird puck trail thing or whatever it was, uh, we're now back to some Senators hockey. Um, there's a few things we, we want to touch on in this week's episode, including some trade deadline predictions, um, and we'll get to your listener questions at the end too. But uh, just going back to the All-Star game, um, Trevor, did you have any takeaways from it for the Suns? Yeah, so I mean, I gotta ask, did you were, were you able to watch much of it on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, I watched. It was, I'll be honest, I was watching a lot more tennis than I was hockey, <laughs> but uh, it, it was definitely on the second screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, I, w- I was only able to watch like small, small bits of it. Um, you know, mainly seeing some highlights on Twitter, and um, yeah, you know, as, as usual, the game didn't seem, or the, I guess the mini games, I should say, didn't seem too different from other years uh i think the three-on-three version is definitely much better than what they had uh you know five years ago um but yeah they had some different things in the skills with the you know shooting from the stands that was something kind of interesting um really cool having the women play in their in their three-on-three game as well easily Um, the best part of the weekend like yeah a mile Yeah. yeah and i think that maybe that's something they could do um you know, playing against the men, like having having the best women against the best men, because um, you know people will say, "Oh, well, um, you know, physicality levels and stuff like that." The All Star Game, there's no physicality, so that wouldn't be an issue at all, um, and that would be pretty interesting. And, and and if anything, you know that the men would try just as hard because they wouldn't want to say that they they lost uh, to the women. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't be. All that, all, all that excited about that idea. I'm not sure how well that would go over with them because uh, it's just it's just a matter of it's not like people are trying to seek validation from one another about anything. So I'm not sure how well that would really go over. But I mean, it's it's interesting. But I mean, just just the women playing against each other too. I mean, they they were putting everything into it. It was super exciting hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good reminder to everyone that the NWHL is still playing hockey right now, and it's exciting hockey too. Um, I, I mean, I try to catch a game every now and then when I can. Um, if if they could put a team in Ottawa, I mean that would be amazing. And uh, if they end up expanding there, but yeah, it's uh, I mean it's amazing for the growth of the women's game. Um, I mean it's it's exciting hockey too. I mean it's it's uh, as as they showed at the All Star game. I mean it's it's these are the best players in the world. Totally, and yeah, and and in terms of other things that weekend, um, obviously really great to see that Anthony Declare got the call to the game. Um, you know, I, I think part of that is somewhat because Ottawa needed a representative. But at the same time, I mean, he's he's been fantastic this season. No one can take that away from him. Um, totally. He's probably going to end up being a 30-goal scorer um, unless he just really falls off a cliff and or gets injured. Um, and, yeah, you know, it was good to see him there. And then did you did you ever find out why exactly Brady got to go? Just because yeah, it, I was quite surprised. Yeah, it was because Austin Matthews wasn't going to be participating in the event. No, so, I know that. Oh, okay, yeah. Was there more, though? It was a whole bunch of things. I mean, well, Matthews wasn't playing. Uh, Brady was also going to be in St. Louis anyways, just because he was going to be there, too. It's his hometown. Okay, yeah, that's what I figured, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of, like, it was like, easier a, to get him there, I guess, right? I mean, it also helps that he's a really good player, too. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> and it was I mean, good it, to see him there, too. It, it just seems like the perfect kind of set of occasions and... Um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see him there, to, uh, to see him with Matthew Kachuk and, 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 uh, and his dad, Keith was, I guess, pretty neat. Um, he, he did the shooting stars event too. I mean, it, it's, if we want to talk about the all-star event in general, it's, it's just super gimmicky. Totally. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I don't know, like, do you have any ideas on how they should improve it at all? Or do you think they should just like go full gimmick and yeah, try yeah, to totally just, just go full gimmick. I mean, maybe not the... Well, I guess you could, I mean, it's easier for the skills to be gimmicky rather than the game, but I guess even both could be, um, this would never happen, but I would love to see, um, I've seen this once or twice on the ice just set, like during the intermission, but, um, bubble hockey, do you, do you know what that is? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's, it's like these massive bubbles that people, um, get inside of and it's mainly played, um, on a soccer field. Uh, but you could do it on the ice as well, and it's super fun because you just you know bowl people over and it doesn't even hurt. Um, so I don't know that would be be pretty pretty entertaining. I would love also for the um, player draft to come back again, where oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, because I think that was only for like two seasons that they did that, but that was just super entertaining getting to see players um, pick whoever they want and sort of trash talk each other. That was, that was really awesome. Obviously drunk players too, mind you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like Ovechkin. Oh man, just... <laughs> yeah. My, my suggestion is to bring the mascots into it. Yes. Get the players versus the mascots. Yes. The I mean, the mascots do have their own game. They do, but why not combine them? I mean... <laughs> I know. Yeah. That, it, that'd it just be pretty funny. Get... get uh, Spartacat to bowl over Brady Kachuk on the ice. I'd pay good money to see that. Yes, yes. But, but um, yeah, to finish off that original point, just go full gimmick. Uh, make it unique. Make it, make, make it something that is actually going to gonna make headlines on American Sports Center that gets people wanting to watch, you know? Because people in Canada aren't really going to... Or I guess people in Canada and the States aren't really going to be watching it if it's just like okay, here's some guy who can shoot really hard or some guy who, you know, scored four goals in a 3 and 3 game. It's it's nothing really earth-shattering. Yeah, and when the highlight of the night was Green Day saying the F-word, you know it's bad. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, I think a- any change um, is probably probably some good change. And they've, they've made some at least interesting tweaks uh recently so i can't complain too much about it um but should we move on to our next topic sure let's go i think we're going to talk about the trade deadline um it's coming up fairly soon i mean it's uh less than a month away at this point and no trades have been happening as normal but there's a lot of players that the sentence could uh, potentially be doing of course they're not going to be making the headlines they have the past few years with guys like carlson stone duchene i mean last year's there's no way they can live up to <laughs> last year's hype with, I mean, I say hype, but I mean, it was pretty uh, awful time for Sens fans. But uh, yeah, that, that that still means, I mean, they're, they're still they're still in tank mode at this point. So they're, gonna, of course, going to be shipping off some players. So I think today what we'll do is we'll kind of just go through each player, um, give kind of our odds and predictions for um, how likely we think they might be traded. And then also maybe just talk a bit about um, what we would do if, if these are players worth trading or if uh, they should maybe be kept around for a bit. So uh, so do you want to start with the first player? Yeah, so obviously the guy that everyone's talking about and, um, you know, has been... You could argue, you can make the case that he's been the team MVP so far is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And, you know, there hasn't been too much talk about, you know, what kind of contract he will get if he does stay in Ottawa. And... You know, it's, you know, deadline is a month away, and I'm sort of thinking that he's going to be moved. So um, we're putting percentages on the likelihood that they're going to be dealt, and I'm going to say 80%, um, pretty high. I just think that, um, yeah, I, I just think there, there hasn't been too much talk about actually wanting to keep him, and I think it would be way too difficult to not take that first round pick in a prospect which is what uh, a lot of insiders are saying would be the asking price for the senators uh you know it'd be pretty hard to say to the say to the fan base um no we're not going to get this first in a prospect and i know everyone loves Pajot, but we, we have to be honest with ourselves this is a career year and he's a third line center and he, he's a fine player but i i really would find it hard to turn down an offer that good if they do get an offer that good. Yeah, and, and I put my odds just a little bit lower. I put it at 75%. And, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it does seem like things are trending towards Pacho being traded at this point. Um, I, I mean, the, the latest report from Pierre Lebrun said that they they haven't actually started, like, shopping him yet, and that they're going to do contract talks first before they actually before they decide what they want to go ahead and 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 keep Pajot and, and re-sign him or if they uh want to go ahead and with with this uh w- with trading him to another team to a contender and i i i mean it's it's go, going through these contract talks i mean it's totally fine it's due diligence if he ends up coming to the sentence and being like i only want like a two million dollar contract i mean that's the contract that you probably end up taking at this point right i mean it, mm-hmm. it's good yeah. value I mean, it all depends on the scenario, too. Maybe even you don't take that because of the situation the Sens are in. But, yeah, it, it just seems like with Pasho having the... the um, I, I don't know if I'd say career year, but, I mean, he's he's playing a lot better than what we expected or what everybody anybody expected um, coming into this year. So, 
uh, it just seems like this is like the time to sell high on, on someone like Pajot. And my, my, my one doubt about a trade happening is that this, this, is, this is a pitfall the Sens have fallen into quite a few times, is that the Sens may be the team that values Pajot more than any other team values Pajot. Right. Because he has that local aspect, because he, um, because he has that marketing connection, and just because he's such a beloved player to the city, um, maybe they just feel, maybe they just feel higher on him than than anyone else. And, and I could totally see that being uh, a justified case in some circumstances. But uh, at this point, with um, just the, uh, I, I mean, his his point production is is. Probably, I'd 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 pretty confidently say his point production is exceeding what he's actually providing on the ice at this point. Even though I mean I'd say he's he's been doing a, a pretty good job, um, at least defensively. Um, I mean points is what's gonna <laughs> drive that trade value up. So um, this is really just a, a good case of, of uh, selling high on a player um, on w- when the time is right. His contract's up, and it just seems like the perfect rental. Yeah, and well, you've seen it in the past you know, not even that long ago with guys like Colin Greening and Zach Smith, um, you know, they've, they've overperformed and immediately after you, you see that they're not the players that they really thought they were. And, you know, you'd, you'd really hate for Ottawa to sign Pajot for, I don't know how, how high could his contract get like four and a half, five million. I mean, I think that'd be a massive overpay, but I wouldn't even doubt that he could get that on the open market considering, um, you know, just, just how much teams will overpay in free agency. Um, but yeah, yeah like, sure. like you said, there, there totally is that chance that Ottawa could like him more than any other team. And, um, what, I mean, what, what do you have to say to the people though, that say things like, um, well, you gotta, you know, have some semblance of a roster and you gotta have some, veterans in the lineup and you know some leadership like what would you say to that uh i mean i'd say that you can always find those guys somewhere there's there's always going to be guys to play on the roster um i mean it is it is definitely good to have uh players surrounding your prospects but at the same time that's uh the sentence went out went off and dealt guys like mark stone and he could have been perfect right. for a perfect guy like that who could have been uh, helping the young guys, e- even with a larger contract, I mean, he, he's he's still, uh, um, I mean, he's he's still well in his prime, like in the middle of it. So, um, yeah, if if they're gonna go that route, then I think they probably went about it the wrong way just by de- dealing guys like Mark Stone to begin with. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know what? I think that's a, you know, I, I was just gonna say, I think that's a perfect segue though into the next guy who we can talk about, and that's Mark Borowiecki, who I think is a perfect example of someone you can keep around for cheap and you know he can actually uh you know be in that role of a veteran player who is great in the dressing room you know obviously isn't going to be super valuable on the ice but he's fine as a sixth seventh defenseman and i think we're both of the same minds now somehow that it'd be beneficial to keep him around at least for the next you know year or two um just because of his his leadership abilities and um yeah so if you're wanting to keep somebody around for these young guys coming up i think he's perfect and i put the chances of him being dealt at 30 percent um i you know there's been some rumblings that um he could be moved which is surprising considering you know how, how loyal they've been to him over the years but yeah it sounds like it might actually be a possibility so I hate to break it to you, but I'm probably my my, my fandom of Mark Wawrzewski has kind of wavered at least a little bit more recently. Um, just looking oh, through, Colin. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I think Burrow's an amazing person. He's probably the heart and soul of the, of this team at this point. But I mean, I, I I just look at his results, and he and he has not been good this year. He he's he's been part of the of the defensive blunders that have have been the Sens' blue line this year. Um, I even go as far as calling him one of the cornerstones of that maybe not quite have the, maybe not quite the level of someone like Nikita Zaitsev but I mean he, he's been whenever he's on the ice he allows a lot of shots against and he's been kind of drying up offense too um so I, I'm not sure if I'd go as far to even call him a useful player at this point as a six seventh defenseman and the fact that the Suns have five six guys even who could probably fill that role um 
I, 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 I just see him as being a pretty redundant player at this point, especially given the Sens' left side. I mean, you have Shabbat, you have Branstrom, and then there, there's so many guys who are going to be fighting for that third spot. You think Christian will land into, and then there's even more guys past that. So I'm not sure where Mark Borowiecki fits in this lineup. Um, that said, I did put his uh, chance of being traded even lower than you. I put him at 10%. I, I'm just not as convinced that he's a guy that's worth keeping around, even if uh, I think, it looking as you mentioned, it looks more likely that the Sens are uh, going to be... Tra- uh, trying to at least keep him around for a bit more just because he's been that at that heart and soul of the team mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's fair like he's not like he's super integral in terms of their on ice performance um and it'll depend on who they keep um i think if they do keep Peugeot and Demello and maybe some other guys then i think it's less important that they do keep him around um but for me personally i just think that it's good to have at least some of these guys around um, and it doesn't have to be for a long-term contract. And yeah, you're right on, on the left side, they would have Shabbat, Will and Branstrom next season. And hopefully because of that, he could be actually used as a seventh D and, you know, you would hope that they don't re-sign a guy like Ron Hainsey and we'll get into that in a sec. Um, but yeah. Um, I say 30%, you say 10%. You know, maybe the in actuality, it's right in the middle, 20%. Um, but we'll see. It'll be really interesting if they actually do trade him because he's, you know, he's been in the organization for 12 years now. And, um, you know, I've always thought that there was no way that they were going to ever move Boro. So, um, yeah, it'll be kind of shocking if they do, if he is gone. So uh, just a quick question about Borovieski. What, what do you think he might be able to fetch on the market at this point? See, that's the thing. I, I don't... That's why I wouldn't actually want to trade him just because I don't think they'd be able to get that much for him. Like maybe, maybe a a third, but I think even that's pushing it, maybe like a fourth or a fifth um, because sometimes teams are weird with their evaluation of defensemen. So like to me, it isn't really worth it to get that extra fourth or fifth. Um, Yeah, I mean, with other guys, I think it is, but with him specifically, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with that, too. I, I feel like um, time on ice is, is generally a, a big indicator for, t- for trade value for defensemen and just the fact that Burrow hasn't been playing a lot. Um, he, he's been kind of in, in that 5-6 uh, range for, for their time on ice. Is, uh, it, pr- it probably wouldn't fetch him much. I, I kind of think back to the Eric Griba trade almost and, yeah. and, and what, what that got them. It was a fifth-round pick, and was it like Alex Guptill, I think, who... who I don't know how I remember. No, that. it was um, <laughs> Travis Ewanick. I don't know why. Travis Ewanick. Ooh, yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> good, good, so good, maybe good, he good. could get a a fourth then, just because he has a bit more pedigree. Yeah, maybe, and, and just because I don't know, maybe teams can sell on like just the fact that he's actually like like he hits a lot and is very phys- has that physical presence on the ice. I mean, I'm sure there's some dumb GM out there who will give some high pick for him. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's, the, the market is not going to be there for him like there is for Pajot. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to the, I would say, more interesting defenseman and much better defenseman on the Sens, and that's Dylan DeMello. Um, now, quick ip- update for people who weren't watching the game tonight. Um, Ottawa's currently playing the Devils right now. They are, It's I think, I think it's still 2-1. Yeah, it's still 2-1 New Jersey. Um, obviously, you'll know the result by the time you're listening to this. Um but yeah, so during the intermission, Bruce Garriock said that Dylan DeMello hasn't been approached yet by Dorian and and the, the front office in terms of a new contract, um, but that'll happen sometime soon. I mean, that'll happen soon with, with a bunch of these UFAs. So I think it's very imperative that they re-sign him. I think he's a perfect sort of bridge player for the next two, three seasons before hopefully um, Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson can come up. Um, And I put the percentage for him to be dealt at 15%. I don't think um, it'll be too complicated to re-sign him just because, you know, like you said, he, um, or I should say uh, point totals are obviously going to drive a lot of these contract negotiations and he's not a big point producer he does play decent amount of minutes but i can't imagine him asking for more than i don't know maybe like three million max and i would totally do that especially considering the next few seasons they won't be um you know they won't be anywhere near the the cap ceiling the cap floor so um 
yeah, I, I think it's very important that they sign him. He's shown that he can play on the top pairing with Shabbat. And yeah, um, what yeah. percent did you have for so, him uh, being dealt? I, I had 10%, but that's a very, very uncertain 10%. Because I'm mm-hmm. going in the dark right now about how the Suns feel about DeMello. Because, I mean, uh, 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 we obviously know he's a good player. He deserves to be played more. But it's a matter of, like, they haven't been playing him like as much as we want him to but he's still playing like a decent amount i don't know if that makes sense like he's still playing like 17 minutes at least a night for Mm -hmm. um for the sense but it's not like he he has that super integral role as as, as well Well, uh dj has said that he he's one of the most underrated players did he say in the league or in the team i forget I actually don't even remember that quote, so maybe yeah. that's a good sign. But I mean, no, exactly. If if he's saying that, I mean, it, 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 he probably deserves to be playing on the first pairing. Maybe he just maybe he just overvalues that sort of that much. But <laughs> that's probably for another episode. But um, yeah, I, I'm just not really sure how the Suns feel about Demello. Whether they feel like he's someone worth keeping around, uh, because it's not like he's a super young guy either. I mean, or I mean, he's 26, so I mean, like he's in his prime. But it's not like he's. Uh, a prospect or anything that they're, they're, uh, uh, it, yeah I, i'm just really not sure what his role is in this organization going forward if they aren't going to actually um put him in i think the role that he he, he deserves to be in but um yeah i, I it's, it's also just a matter of what, what 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 will he fetch on the trade on the trade market at this point because like i it all depends on, i guess it depends on what the, the the market for i mean a right shot defenseman is and if a team is willing to pay a, a decent price for someone like Dylan DeMello, then, I mean, I guess it's worth something worth taking. But, I mean, I, I'm just really kind of uncertain about this point what uh, what it's like. So we just haven't really seen much in the news, I guess. Yeah. No, and and I can't expect any team to be willing to give up a first for him just because he it doesn't seem like he has that pedigree. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not something that high, I, I just, to me, I, I don't think it'd be worth it. Um, you know, if they do deal him or they let him walk, it just... There's so much uncertainty on the right side, and they're really putting all their eggs in one basket with Bernard Docker and Thompson because, you know, it, they would really have to have both of them turn out um, if they, you know, if they want to be competitive in the next few seasons. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think DeMello is just a perfect bridge into uh, the next generation for Senators defensemen. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, the right side definitely is the most uncertain side for the Senators. Besides, I mean, besides having uh, Zaitsev there for the next however many years his contract goes. But yeah, you're, you're right. The Senators are really banking on, on Bernard Docker and, and Thompson panning out. So um, it'll be interesting to see how maybe they even handle that at the draft and take an, another defenseman. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I mean, we're both on the, on the DeMello hype train at this point. But yeah. Uh, moving on to the next player. This was a player that they traded for a bit surprisingly at the beginning of the season, uh, but Vladislav Nemesnikov. And I put his, his chance of being traded at about 50%, which I, which I think is the, is the second highest odds for me after Pajot on, on this list. And, I mean, it, it's, it's a matter of, of, I guess, looking at the trade and, and, and how, it's, uh, how it's transpired since then. I don't know. How, how, how have you been finding Nemesnikov's play lately? I mean, lately, obviously, he hasn't been putting up, you know, putting up any points, and his offense has um, has been lackluster. But I mean, overall, he's not really known as a super offensive player. He's more like a thirty-five to forty point kind of player, and he is solid defensively. So I don't think you can c- complain too much. He's he sort of is what he is as a you know third line player. Um, but yeah, I, I had my odds a bit higher at 65% just because I I don't know. I don't see a spot for him in this roster unless they trade Pajot and Tierney. Um, it's just, yeah, like I, I don't see a long-term spot for him on the third line. And he certainly isn't a top six player. So, um, like, is he even worth keeping around to you? See, for me, like, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think he's really a player worth keeping around at this point i mean uh, he's uh you're right he's been okay defensively but i mean it's not like uh um he's he's not like he's been making up for uh it's not it's not like he's he's a world beater offensively or anything i mean it, it, yeah. maybe that's not the role he's here for but um 
I also see a trade for Nemestikov as kind of imperative for justifying why they traded for him in the first place. Because <laughs> it, 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 it was a weird trade at, at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the season. They just they they had some forwards who were getting injured, and they kind of made a reactionary trade to bring someone in. And I mean, of course, Nemestikov, the price was super was like super low for him, but. I wonder, like, what would he fetch on the trade market at this point, and would it actually be any higher, given how he he kind of hasn't been producing in the way that would kind of increase his trade value at all? So, um, yeah, uh, if if the Suns can get, if if the Suns can actually just make a nice little handy move and and try and recoup some value from that trade, or even or I mean, exceed value from that trade, I mean. I feel like that would be a good thing overall, but if they just traded for him and then end up letting him walk, I don't see how that trade ends up uh, <laughs> playing in the favor of the Sens because, I mean, it's not like Nemestikov's play this season really has any value to the Sens in their long-term plans. Yeah, and th- and that's the only reason I put it at 65% for him being moved, just because y- you would have to think there's some sort of long game that Doran was thinking of when he, when he made that trade. Um, otherwise... Like, I can't imagine any scenario where he just walks. He's either going to resign or be traded, I think. And I think he could probably fetch a third-round pick if if a team is just really desperate for depth and they sort of lost out on other players. Um, and yeah, so if they're able to get a third, I mean, that's a win. So I would totally take that. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the trade deadline is, is really weird, too. I mean, GMs can pay high picks for players that we didn't expect to get high picks and and yeah gms can sell low on players for picks that are where they probably could have gotten much better somewhere else or or, or maybe they couldn't have and just gms evaluate players weird and uh so yeah I, I, it's just a matter of whether they can do the right negotiations find the right gms find the right buyers um and if they can find uh, uh, a, a good price where they can kind of uh, get some value from the trade that really to me at least didn't make much sense unless they as you said, they had a long game where they plan on trading him. Mm-hmm. Now, the next guy is really interesting case. Um, this is easily our biggest um, disagreement in terms of percentages. Although at the same time, looking at your percentage now, I'm sort of rethinking mine. So Tyler Rennes, um, I had him at 75%. Um, you know, he seemed just like the perfect you know, the the day they signed him, he seemed like the perfect guy to be traded at the deadline. And I would still say that it's, you know, perfect to, that's still a perfect plan to move him within the next four weeks. And, you know, he's having one of the best seasons he's had in a long time. And I think they'd be able to get something decent for him. Maybe something as, as high as a second rounder. Um, he, he's sort of that exact archetype of player that cup contending teams will trade for that can sort of fit on your second or third line and um you know he's on point uh, he's on pace for like 47 or 48 points somewhere around there and um yeah but but then again you know there's been a lot of talk about maybe they want to re-sign him and i think that would be a mistake just because of what they could get for him on the market but um yeah, I don't know. You, your th- actually, I'll let you say your percentage, but that's sort of making me rethink how likely it is that he's actually dealt. Yeah, for, for me, so you put seventy five percent. I had it a bit lower at thirty thirty percent. I think that it's is is the, the the way that the Sens have been utilizing Ennis and and the, the, I mean it, it's it's really no secret at this point that he was brought in because he played with DJ Smith in the past and in Toronto and. Uh, and, and that, I mean, it seems like the team is, is definitely a fan of Ennis, and I mean, which I think is a good thing. I mean, Ennis has actually been Ottawa's one of Ottawa's more effective forwards this year. Um, so um, keeping him around, I mean, it's not like they they they, they need him or anything. I mean, at least he'll be um, affecting play in a positive way, and I think he'll be able to help prospects uh, maybe transition that way. But um, you're right. I mean, I mean, if I was in this sense position, it was it would be something I would do like in a heartbeat. You're you're right that he would be able to recoup some some pretty good value on, on the trade market at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess this kind of comes down to why I'm a bit lower overall on these percentages. I think it's been pretty consistent. Um, it's just that I feel like every year we seem to go into the trade deadline expecting the Suns to make like five or six seven trades and then, then they end up just making just a couple sh- like small moves and 
uh, end up going about their ways, except with last year kind of being the exception. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you look at guys like, like I remember two years ago, everybody was like, Zach Smith is going to be a shoe in to be traded at the trade deadline. And then it just didn't happen. And I feel like that's happened on a few occasions with guys like um, Magnus Piarvi also comes to mind as someone like that. And even Tom Pyatt. And maybe Tom Pyatt is a bit more of a um, fair comparison Ennis at this point in the way this team kind of values him as someone that they, that the coach brought in and has been playing in. I mean, I, their effectiveness on the ice have been totally different, in my opinion. But uh, it just seems like someone that they're happy to have around for this year and maybe if they, even if they don't resign him even if he just goes on the market maybe that they consider just having him around this year to be kind of that as that mentor um just just to be his role i don't know mm-hmm. yeah and i could definitely i could definitely see a scenario where he comes back uh and is resigned for next season and i don't think that'd be the worst thing so long as they do move other players like nemesnikov and Pajot or and whoever um and yeah you're right i mean i think if we've learned anything it's that dorian isn't really gonna do what everyone expects him to do whether that's at the draft or free agency or trades (laughs) so like maybe he's gonna trade four players but he's gonna be not gonna be the the players that we expect so um yeah honestly there's there's so many different scenarios that could happen um especially with ennis so um yeah it wouldn't be the worst thing if, in the world if he does resign but it just it seems like the perfect opportunity yeah. to to cash in high totally and I, yeah i completely i completely agree with that too yeah, yeah um so-, so the next next guy we have is ron hainsey and i'll let you um talk about the the recent update for that um just after so i i had my percentage at 50 percent, and that was mainly just because i pretty much just like a shoulder shrug at this point i don't know i would have put my percentages higher earlier um but do you want to talk about what lebron had said in his uh most recent article yeah so pierre lebron and just to preface i mean that he seems to be saying this with a fair amount of uncertainty but um lebron said in his recent article that the signs are considering re-signing ron hainsey which i mean <laughs> it's, it's I think I can say pretty confidently that we both disagree with that that's a move that should be made on this Sens. Hainsey is, is 38, he'll be 39 by the season's end. If the Sens sign him into the season where he's turning 40, in a season where he's already not playing well, I mean, even looking at Hainsey's results, even though Cross is like career in his in his prime, he, he never really put up effective results. So the the fact that he is here in the first place, the, as someone the Sens have identified him as like, a, a good player i mean it, it always seemed like it would be a one-year thing but yeah i, I so i i have my percentage at 20 percent to trade ron hainsey and, and that would have been much higher like a, a week ago probably because like similar to ennis he kind of seems like uh one of those uh shoe-in players who would be like like a, a perfect as a as a veteran that some team would would trade for the deadline and i'm if I recall correctly, I think Hainsey's been traded at the deadline before, right? Yeah, it was, he it, must be. Yeah, yeah, he, he was traded to Pittsburgh, and he won uh, won the cup with Pittsburgh as a rental. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Was that, that from was, Toronto? Uh, that was from Carolina. Okay. Yeah, he, he he he's he's been to a lot of places. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's just something that really kind of caught me off guard when it was when it was said because I mean, like like we said. Hainsey's going on 39 will be going on 40 next season he's, he's older than Barton Havlat believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> now that's something else man yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I can't imagine anyone would want him back for another season mainly just because of his age and like you said obviously his, his contributions are, are not very large um, I think a lot of people would be fine with him having like a sort of consultant role, like off the ice. Um, but also just the fact that, you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys fighting for jobs. The left side, you got Shabbat, Lannan, Brandstrom. Um, you know, even LeJoie is going to be fighting there. Maybe if they resign Boro, you know, if they sign DeMello, the Hub Zaitsev, and then Bernard Docker, Thompson, Yaros. So there's all these players and not all of them are going to make the roster, but 
man, like if you put Hainsey there, all of a sudden that's a spot that one of those guys can't have. So um, that would be, you know, if, if they don't trade him, that's fine. I, I, was, I wasn't expecting more than maybe like a fifth anyway. Um, but yeah, if they re-sign him, then that would definitely not be the, the greatest news. Like, let's keep in mind as well that Hainsey is the Sens' number two defenseman right now. The, the way they've been using him, like, in terms yeah, of ice time, true. it's kind of crazy how how much DJ Smith is actually willing to place on Hainsey's shoulders at this point, given how uh, uh, given how much he's been sucking up offense. I, I mean, um, his on-ice results have really, really not been good this year, or throughout his entire career, I'd say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just something that seems very puzzling to me, but at the same time, I can kind of, in retrospect, I can kind of see how something like that may pop up in the rumors just because the Sens have been pretty infatuated with Hainsey's play, it seems, even though, I mean, it just seems like, like Ennis, he was one of those players that uh, um, was brought in because DJ Smith seemed to like him in Toronto. Um, uh, another thing I'll, add, I'll kind of build off your last point is that um, I kind of mentioned this earlier too, but this, yeah, you're right. The Suns just have so many defensemen that could fill that six, seven spot this year or or next year and this year, I guess. But it it just, it just seems like they, they already ha- they already have like four other guys that could fill that spot. So why would they mm-hmm. need like someone else? So um, yeah, I, I, I just resigning Ron Hainsey not only just for having him around. I, I don't think it would be worth having him on the ice. Yeah, as part of next year's roster. But yeah, it just. Uh, it, it just feels weird because I don't feel like I don't feel confident that they'd end up even using this one of those six seven defensemen anyway since they kind of bump him up like they are this year. So, yeah. It, you know what's crazy? Do you know um, what he was traded for in 2017? So three years ago. Oh no idea. It was so an AHLer, Danny Cristo, and a second round pick. Right. Yes. I. And he I was 36 years old. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, maybe they get a third. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe, maybe um, Pittsburgh just really liked him, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, next guy we had on the list, Craig Anderson. Um, I, I've talked about this recently in the past couple weeks. To me, it just doesn't seem like there's much of a market for him. So I, I'm putting 10% um, chances that he's being dealt. I think Ottawa would, it, it, if you know. Wait, does he have a no move clause or is it or no trade clause? I forget. Uh, I don't remember either. Let me just double check. <laughs> so, um, we are super prepared for this. Very yeah. prepared. So, cap friendly goalies. He has a no trade clause. So, to obviously, ten, yeah, ten team list. Yeah, to ten teams. So, um, obviously, Craig would have to approve a trade, and I don't think. Um, you know, obviously Ottawa would only send him to a place that he wants to go to, but I'm sure he would accept a trade to uh, to a contending contending team. But I'm just looking out there, and there's not that many teams that really need a goalie, and even the teams that do, I'm not sure why they would want a 38-year-old Anderson who has literally been the worst goaltender in terms of save percentage over the past three seasons. Um, that's just a fact. And, you know, I guess there's some pedigree he has in the past because he, he was very good for most of his tenure in Ottawa. But I just, I don't know who is going to be giving up an asset for him. Like maybe the Sun team gives Ottawa a seventh, but I, I just don't see them getting very much for him. Yeah, and goalie markets are weird that way. I, it, they're, they're impossible to judge at this point. I mean, unless the team is clearly looking for a starter. And even then, Anderson is not going to be that guy for them who's going to fill that role. So... Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I guess there could be some teams who will look for a backup, looking for like some more stability in net, maybe even looking for a third goalie just to bring in in case someone gets injured. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, because Anderson has been a starter as well, I could see how a team may look at him as someone who um, has the ability to, ability to step into a starter's role um, if their starting goalie ends up going down as like a viable backup option. I mean, I'd, I'd personally disagree with that. I mean, Anderson's results have not been good as you mentioned but uh um yeah i, I put a 20 percent odds and um just because i i feel like his name's been kind of floating around a, a fair amount as 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 uh someone descends may just be trying to recoup some value for but yeah uh, i again it's, it's it's another very uncertain percentage because i mean goalie markets they're, they're really tough to judge especially for backups 
Yeah, for sure. And and you you can never really guess what a team is going to, you know, want in terms of a backup. So who knows? Um, I'd love to see him on a winning team in the playoffs, even as a backup. Um, True. But yeah. Uh, the next guy we had on the list, Chris Tierney. Um, I sort of preface this with, I think this will be more of an off-season move. I I only put the chances at 10% being moved at the deadline. Um, long-term, I just think he's very redundant, even if they do trade Pajot. Um, you know, he's a kind of flawed third-line center who isn't great defensively and... I think it'd be beneficial to recoup some assets for him. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen at least at the deadline. Yeah. Tierney is a weird player to get a read on. He's just kind of a guy and yeah. he's just kind of been playing in this second, third line role with whoever's on his wing for the Sens. And he just seems like this, he's just, he's just this guy that's been kind of plugged in wherever the Sens needed a center at that, at that point. So it's it's kind of hard to judge how the Sens view him as like a player. I mean, of course, he came in from the Carlson trade as well, so maybe that perceives their uh, maybe that affects the perception on on how they value him and maybe keeping some value from that trade. But yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like um, it's the likely trade to make it at this point. Um, I, I put five percent, but that could be even lower. I'd say um, just just because I mean. It's not like he's it's not, it's not like he's an expiring UFA or anything. It's not like the Suns are going to be any pressure to uh, uh, unload his his uh, unload him for a pick or something to another team. So um, it's also not like he's an old, a, a super old player either. Kind of like Demello, um, mm-hmm. he, he's still in his prime. Even though I mean his his results haven't been super there, I'd say. But um, yeah, I, he just seems kind of someone that. Um, if, if, if the right deal comes around and a team mentions him in a trade and they seem super high on him, then of course pull the pull pull pull, uh, pull the tr- tr- pull the trigger on something like that. Maybe gives someone like I don't know Logan Brown or whatever some more minutes and, and opens up the opportunity. But he just kind of seems like a guy who is just there. Yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> description of Chris Tierney. <laughs> um, do you want to go over the last two? So you listed these two and and not me. So I'm just just sort of interested to hear your thoughts on the last two you had. So I, I put two extras here, um, and I think I kind of mentioned them a little bit in previous episodes, but Andres Nielsen is someone that I think if the right... if, if I, I feel like the Suns should be actively shopping Andres Nielsen because he's having a great season right now, um, and I wouldn't necessarily expect those results to be kept up for forever as well. So I feel like this is kind of his highest trade value standpoint he's only gonna get he's only gonna get older from here um I, I don't feel overly confident that he'll be able to keep up these results for um as a, as a sense starter next year or for the years in the future he's not exactly the sense goalie of the future um so i feel like this is kind of a good time to kind of sell now uh where they can still have craig anderson um who i mean he's he hasn't been good this season but i mean that's kind of the whole point of the sense season so uh, getting rid of 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 you know, who's who's been who has single-handedly won the sense of a couple of games this year, I think can also help in that way. Um, and the other guy I put was Anthony Duclair. Um, for this, a similar reason to Anders Nielsen, it's just a matter of selling high. Um, because, I mean, it, this is Duclair's breakout year. I mean, he's going to be a 30-goal scorer likely this year. And teams will pay a premium for that. But at the same time, I mean, if I was if I were the Sens, I'd probably hold on to Duclair. I, I'd say he has a pretty um, fit role on this team. Um, I mean, it's worth pointing out that Duclair has actually been pretty awful defensively. Yes. Like, <laughs> but but I feel like, yeah, at least Perkshin makes up for that offensively. And, and the fact that the Sens have actually utilized him in a good role this year in giving him um, heavier offensive zone starts, and um, I feel is actually... Uh, um, I, he definitely has a place on this team. It's probably not as a top-line player or maybe even a top-six player, but, I mean, I, I, I think that he's definitely someone worth keeping around even just for i mean he, he's someone that I'm, i i personally consider myself a fan of i mean he's he just he just seems like a fun guy and, and I, I mean it's also great that um his his whole comeback story too i mean the the nhl um mid-season player awards too uh were released i don't know if you saw this but i think duclair was like second or third on the list in, in for the award of comeback player of the year okay yeah yeah so i can see um, that 
Yeah, so, I mean, I count myself a fan of Duclair, but I'd also just be looking at his defensive impact as well as his, uh, his slightly inflated shooting percentage as well this year. Mm -hmm. I, I take that as kind of factors that maybe it's time to sell high, but at the same time, he's 24 years old. Uh, he's in his prime, but... Yeah. yeah, so I, I think just, like, obviously his, his ceiling is very intriguing, and, um, you know, he, he might not be, like, the longest-term fit, but I think re-signing him for a few years would be great, and, um, you know, like you said, at his age, he, he's only 24, he's he's going to be in his prime, um, so yeah, I can't see them dealing Duclair, or Nielsen, for that matter, I, I just think for Nielsen he's going to provide them exactly what they need next season. And that's just a guy who can play maybe like half the games with Hogberg next season. Um, and, you know, he, he's fine. Um, and at the same time, yeah, this is probably like the highest value he's had, but knowing goalie values, he's not going to be getting too much on the market. Um, I mean, there, there's even some starters that don't even get a first round pick. So, um, who knows what they would get for him, but um, all I know is the next month, it's going to be incredibly interesting. I, I'm curious, what what number of players would you like to see traded? Because I'm sure if only one or two of them get dealt, I know I would be pretty disappointed if it's only one or two, and I feel like that's the majority. I feel like most people would want you know at least three of these guys just so they can actually get even more draft picks and uh, prospects. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on who gets traded. I feel like if they only trade, like, three players and they only end up getting, like, a fourth, fifth, and seventh round pick, I mean, that's, yeah. I, wouldn't, like, I wouldn't necessarily consider that a success. But if, if they deal with someone like, like Pajot and and get good value for him, or if they deal with someone like, I don't know, Andres Nielsen or, or whatever, or Tyler Ennis, and, and get some good value for him, I, I, I'd probably consider that... A decent success. I mean, it really depends on a on a player by player basis, really, and if they're able to get good value for them. Um, but at the same time, I mean, some of these players just aren't really providing any value to the Suns at this point. So I'd I'd probably put if you want a hard number, I'd probably go at three players minimum. I kind of want to see traded, yeah. but um, I mean, as we've seen in years past, I'm not exactly going to keep my hopes up either. I mean, um, but at the same time, I feel like trading guys this year has also been kind of part of their plan. Um, in terms of giving spots to younger guys to kind of play in the lineup a bit more and, and give them some more ice time. So. I, I mean, that's been the narrative all year long. So, I mean, at least in my Twitter mentions, that's every <laughs> every time the uh, prospect gets sent, sent down, it's talk about, oh, okay, you know, well, he'll get time after the trade deadline. So I really hope that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they're going to need their ice time. Yeah, and, yeah, I totally agree with that. And guys like Batherson, who's obviously too good for the AHL at this point, and even guys like Logan Brown and Rudolph Spalsers I'd throw into the conversation, who, who really deserve to be playing like longer stretches in the NHL at this point. Um, even if they can struggle through it, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of development is, is kind of working through things and, and seeing what needs to be improved and then and working at the NHL level to be able to improve that because these guys aren't learning anything more in, in the AHL at this point. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, as you mentioned, I, I hope that's part of the plan. But, I mean, I, I don't know how much truth there is to that as well. So, I mean, we can just kind of keep our hopes up at this point. Yeah, ju ju you know, just keep your hopes up. Um, don't expect for all of these guys to be dealt, even if you want that to happen, just, just because it's not going to happen. So, yeah. um, should be pretty entertaining either way. Um, so, l let's move on to a bit of a tank update here. So, um, as I mentioned before, we're recording this. Um, as the Sens play the Devils on Monday night, and it's still, yeah, it's still two to one. Um, it's second intermission, so I mean, who who knows what what the result will be by the end of tonight? But as of now, they're they were fourth last in the league, um, which I'm sure you know most of us knew because we've been looking at the tanking standing updates. Um, so obviously they are one point up on the Devils, and they have the same amount of games played. So if this score holds, they would move down to 29th, so third last, which would um, yeah. So they would be one point up on the Kings, um, although they have one game in hand on the Kings. And it is insane how far back the Red Wings are. They're 14 and, yeah. points back of the Sens, and the Sens have three games in hand. 
um, at the beginning of the night. That is just, I can't, I mean, there's some people that are still following Red Wings games as if they have any chance of coming back. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel for Red Wings fans, but I mean, that's this is what we went through just a couple seasons ago, so... Yeah, um, I, I'm looking at the. I'm currently I'm looking at the at the odds right now for the first overall pick, and Ottawa has 19% odds, and Detroit has 18% odds. But also keep in mind that Ottawa has two lottery picks at this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, that just shows how how <laughs> how how much certainty there is at this point that the Red Wings are finishing last in the league. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, kudos to Detroit for uh, going full tank this year, and. Uh, I mean, they're they're going to be in contract purgatory for a while with guys like uh, Justin Avocator and Darren Helm and whatever. But uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll get a good player this year. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we can we can shift our attention to the AHL standings now, and I I'm sure a lot of fans have been following the Belleville Senators as as much as I have, um, and they've just been on an absolute tear recently. Um, and honestly, they, they pretty much wrapped up a playoff spot unless they severely unravel down the stretch. So their, their record is 27, 14, three and one. So three overtime losses, one shootout loss. Um, and it looks like they are, let's see. So they're 11 points up on the Marlies who are, um, one spot out of, out of the playoffs. So, you know, that that's a pretty good position to be in. They're first in the division, um, fifth overall in the league in points percentage. And, you know, everyone, pretty much every top prospect down there has been just fantastic. Um, do you have any thoughts on Belleville's recent, not even recent, just like the past couple months, they've been insanely good? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome for them. I mean, it'll be nice to see uh, um, a playoff run. I mean, standings are, are far from decided at this point. I mean, they, they, there's still an 11 point gap between uh, um, the fifth place team and them. So, I mean, it, it's looking, you're right, it's pretty likely, but um, I mean, yeah, things things can change. And I mean, things changed, things almost changed drastically last year for the better. So, I mean, hopefully don't, things don't change for the worse, but I mean, it seems pretty likely that they'll uh, uh, be seeing playoff action this year. I think it's about time we get to some listener questions. Uh, we got... Uh, um, uh, some listener questions we fielded at our Twitter account, at CP Pointcast. You can follow us there. Uh, we'll be posting about uh, future episodes and uh, when you can, where you can submit your uh, listener questions there. Um, so first one I'll read out from uh, Tate Frazier. Um, Do you think we see some of the fringe players from Belleville and Ottawa post-deadline? Uh, rather than the big star prospects, guys like Carsoni or Klimchuk, who can fill those holes without removing the core from a Belleville team looking to win this year? Yeah, so I I think that's definitely what's going to happen. Um, I think they probably won't keep every prospect down in Belleville. I think that's not totally feasible. Just like we were saying earlier, if they are trading maybe Pajot and Ennis and, and or something like that, I think they're going to have to have maybe at least one or two of Batherson, Balsers, or um, Brown, I should say. But they probably will have maybe someone like carconi up there just because he probably could you know he'd probably be fine in the bottom six um relatively fine and yeah i I think they're really gonna try to go really hard on this um calder cup run for belleville because you know if once the playoffs start um they're gonna have an insanely good roster just because ottawa will be able to send a bunch of guys down Mm -hmm. um I, I'm not sure I totally agree with this, just because I, I guys like Carconi and Klimchuk, I'm not entirely sure are uh, guys of the sense would even peg as call-ups, I guess. Um, because when the sense have been calling, the, the sense have already called up guys like this, like uh, they called up uh, J.C. Baudin for a while, and they called up, um, who was it? Uh, Andres Englund as well, for, on, on defense as well, a couple, or uh, they, they did that once, but it was, it was always just to keep those players down in Belleville, as you mentioned, but at the same time, I, I feel like if if they're really concerned about the, these these players' development and giving them the best opportunities possible, then guys like Batherson and and Brown will be the ones to be call, called up to the NHL first, and especially post deadline, um, when hopefully some players are end up traded and they'll need some parts coming up to fill in roster spots. I feel like um, at least what they they should be doing is 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 taking these guys who are obviously too good for the AHL and giving them some time to learn in the NHL so that the, at uh, um, next season when uh, the Sens are actually um, maybe not I, I wouldn't get my hopes up too much about next year but as as, as long as I, ho- hopefully they're playing some more 
meaningful hockey and, and, and progressing along in their development and, and playing a bit more in the top of the lineup. So I feel like this is kind of a very good transitional year for them to actually start um, playing some of these top prospects in the NHL lineup and giving them some more minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they, they could also go the direction of going full in on the full out on the Calder Cup run, it really, uh, it, it really, just, I, I'm not sure what we're going to see at this point, but it could go either way, I guess. Mm-hmm. And at least for the playoffs, they can send guys back down. So um, we know that that roster should be pretty stacked. Um, next question comes from Neil. He says, assuming the Sens don't get Byfield or Lafreniere, which two players do you want the Sens to draft with their first two picks? Um, I th- uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it really depends on, on who's available, but there's so yeah. many guys that I'd be super, super happy with. And I mean, just, just to look at, at the next two names I'd probably go for one week, Lucas Raymond, um, super dy- dynamic offensive winger. But I, th- I mean, th- there's so many guys. There, there, there's so many players that are just really good that I'd be happy with with any of the sense picks. I mean, um, I, I mentioned Stuart Slow, who had uh, a great, great time at the World Juniors. Has been tearing it up in uh, Germany. Um, I, I, I'm going to stop myself there before I go <laughs> rambling on too much longer. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, those are just two of the guys. Yeah, I think they're going to be insanely lucky if they get um, two forwards. I just think. You know, those could be franchise game changers. Whoever they get, honestly, there's just so much talent there. So um, I'm going to be really excited if they end up with two top 10 picks, which it looks like they will. Um, yeah. Let's see. Right, next, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, do you yeah. want to take that one? Yeah, next question comes from Spencer Blake, friend of the show. Uh, regarding the rebuild, what is the A, the top reason I should be excited about the future, and B, the top reason I should be terrified that this rebuild won't work? So top reason you should be excited, um, just the fact that they have so many picks and prospects, there's so many assets, and you know not every prospect is going to pan out, but just the sheer volume they have, um, it'd be crazy if you know most of them didn't turn out. So um, just the fact that they have that top reason you should be terrified, I guess. I mean, you could go the. I think we, should we just say it together? Let's just say it together. One, two, three. Malnick. <laughs> but see, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like that is the typical reason. But I think you could also make a case that they don't yet have some top talent, especially at forward. So obviously, that will hopefully and that better change um, this draft. I mean, they should be getting two top forwards realistically. Um, but you never know. So if they don't get those guys, that's that's a real hole in their rebuild that they're missing right now. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I think the biggest reason to be terrified is, is of course, Eugene Monick. Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of retaining the star talent, and and when the time will come that they actually need to be competitive and spend to the cap, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I... I yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to beat the dead horse any longer. Uh, this next yeah. question comes from at uh, Melnick Must Go on Twitter. Um, which prospect are you higher on than most other fans, and who are you lower on than most? And I feel like I can answer your. <laughs> I, I feel like I know your answer to this already, but I'm curious to see what you have to say. <laughs> um, well, like the answer for who I'm higher than most. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I think I know who you think I was going to say. Um, oh, no. I. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, you know, because I've answered similar questions to this before. So I've said Crookshank in the past. Yeah. I'm not going to say Crookshank just because, uh. I don't know, I feel like I've repeated that answer so many times. Um, in fact, if Drake Batherson still counts, I feel like I'm, I'm going to put him. I, I think a lot of people have soured on him um, for just, you know, just his small sample size in the NHL. Um, I think he's done better than people have given him credit for and i think he'll develop into a really solid player um but if he doesn't count as a prospect then i'll say vitaly abramov he doesn't seem to be getting too much attention despite having a really good season down in belleville so um yeah i'll say him yeah and for highest i'll probably say um i, I don't know actually because it's, it's kind of hard to gauge what sense fans opinions are on different prospects but i think rudolph spolzers might actually be getting uh, flying a bit under the radar lately, yeah. Uh, just because he hasn't been he hasn't been in the NHL yet, this, or for for long this year, and I feel like he could be doing that this year as like a top nine winger already right now. So, 
Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's been tearing it up in Belleville. He should be in the, in the NHL. Uh, I think he should be getting some more love there. And prospect I'm lower on than most, I think, is definitely Parker Kelly. Um, and I feel like that's being a bit more <laughs> yeah. justified this year, given that he's been struggling pretty heavily. But even last year in Prince Albert, I mean, he was uh, he's one of the older players, and he was kind of a secondary player on a really good team, playing with really good teammates. And um, Yeah, I, I, I just never really saw what the potential was in Parker Kelly. And of course, he could still turn things around, but really, his thing is just being a physical player and checking players, and he's never going to be a, a scorer unless he can do some drastic changes to his game. So, um, yeah, e- even even as a bottom six NHL player, I don't see that really in his future, even given like given how much he's been struggling this year to translate to the AHL. Um, I just don't really see how he can, he can progress much past this point. Mm-hmm. Um so next one comes from Connor. He says, in retrospect, was Pinto the right pick at 32, or would you have rather have taken Brink or Kaliev? And then, um, okay, so, yeah. And then he also says, who is Ottawa's top goalie prospect, highest ceiling, and how would you rank their goalie prospects at this point? And then also, third question, would you rather have picks one and six or two and four, and who would you take? So let's just try to knock these out quickly. So the Pinto and Brink or Kaliev one, what do you say? I'm still taking Brink or Kaliev over that. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, same. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, Kaliev's ceiling is is high, and, and and you mentioned actually this ties into your previous answer, but the lack of of of, of really high end elite forward prospects. And I, I think Kaliev fits that mold pretty perfectly. Um, he he's just gonna, uh, has a elite offensive skill set, and say what you want about his defense, but his his offense has been offsetting that by like tenfold. Like it's it's incredible how. <clears throat> It's incredible how well he's been able to play on, on Hamilton and how he's been able to produce. So I, I don't have my doubts about Kaliev the same way other people do. And um, Brink, I mean, in retrospect, I'd probably be more on the flip. Um, I, I, I'd be able to flip a bit more between justifying the Pinto pick. But um, but at the same time, I mean, Brink also has this like super high energy play style that I, I, I just love about Bobby Brink's game. So as much as, as, as I've been enjoying Shane Pinto's having a good season this year and seeing him progress, I mean, I, I, it's still really hard to justify where they picked him at that spot. Uh, what was the next question? I see. So he was asking about where would you, uh, or who is Otto's goalie top prospect. goalie prospect and how would you rank them? Do you, do you want to take this one? I guess. Oh my God, this is such a tough question. I mean, right now, um, high ceiling. I think Decord has a really high, ce- high ceiling. I think Hogberg has the best chance to be a regular NHLer like he is right now. Um, God, I mean, I. Hmm. Who, who, who would you take for? Let's let's go. Philip Gustafson versus Mad Sogard. Who who would you take? Oh, see, I, I'm kind of souring on Gustafson right now. I know he's still pretty young. Um, Sogard obviously hasn't had a great season either, though. He's at an 8.99 save percentage. So, ooh, I guess Gustafson. But that's like honestly, I have no idea. It's such a coin flip. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way at this point. Both prospects are guys that have kind of been souring on a lot yeah. more recently as well. But, I think we uh, should I, mention Kevin Mandelay's though, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of not too convinced about him. I mean, he's having a good season, but he's been in the QMJHL for this is fourth or fourth season at this point. And uh, given the sense amount of, given the depth of the sense goalie prospects, I feel like even if they do sign him, I mean, it, it, it's still far from a guarantee at this point. And um, I, I, again, I, I'm glad he's having a good season, but I'm not sure he's going to be kind of one of those guys in the long-term plans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many options. You know, hopefully one of those five prospects can turn out. Um, Joey Decord has been doing really well in Belleville. He's up to a 917 save percentage. Yeah. So you know, maybe that's a guy that as soon as next season could um, you know play some games in the NHL. Um, last one, he says, would you have picks one and six or two and four? What do you think? Oh man, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just, just just strictly looking at draft value, I'd probably go one and six. Yeah, because same, I, I, I think because um, I mean, one you get the best player in the draft, and then and then six you also get an amazing player. But whereas I don't know, but it, I guess it depends how 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 uh, much you value guys, someone like Lafreniere or Byfield over the other one, and whether you think that going first overall instead of second will actually be um, that much of a value difference. I think I think there is some value difference there but um yeah it's 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 it feels like a coin toss to me at this point Mm -hmm. 
Um, so last one, where is this one? Oh yeah, um, from Alex. He says, uh, so we sort of touched on this, but how much impact on development will a deep call to run have on the prospects? Um, it's an interesting question because it, 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 it kind of, it, it kind of, Prospect development is so tricky to talk about because is is really there, there's I, I don't I don't really, I don't really know how to put this but it, it it's kind of hard to decipher what impacts the prospect development and what doesn't because it could also be a matter of if a prospect turns out you can look at so many factors but or was the prospect just good to begin with and I I I, I don't know prospect development is is so hard to talk about but at the same time like just a call to cup run in general would be good for at least at least the fans in Belleville but in terms of development mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much different it would be if they end up having a if they end up just going in the first round or whatever I mean it's, it's if if you think having playoff experience will will, va- will will change a prospect's development in the future I mean then I guess sure but I, I I'm really on the I, I just really don't know at this point yeah I don't know I mean I think it's I think there's some of that that can help. But then, I mean, you look at the 2011 Binghamton Senators run, you know, how many of those guys made an impact in Ottawa? I mean, Zach Smith, Colin Greening, Eric Condra, I guess Leonard. um, But none of those guys were really um, important to the future of the team. Obviously, this version is much different because they're much younger um, and, like, very legitimate prospects. Um, but w- would they have succeeded any less if they didn't have that run? Yeah, that, question, that's the which, thing. Which, which I, I, I'm not. It, it's kind of hard to look back and. It's say, not going like, to harm it. Yeah, it's not going to harm it at all. You're right, but it's not like. Yeah, it's not like I, I feel like it doesn't really provide as much of a, of, a, of like a, a development boost as some may make it out to be. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, was there any more questions? Am I missing anything? Um, I don't think so. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for submitting the Worcester questions. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CP Pointcast on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll send out a notification anytime we're looking for a listener questions for an episode like this one, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, gladly answer. We uh, really enjoy this. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all for today. Yeah, and who knows, maybe by next time uh, there'll be a trade to talk about. And, um, yeah, so it should be pretty interesting the next month. As we wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you really enjoyed the podcast, you could rate and review it on those platforms as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CudworkCullen and read my writing at Silver7Sends. And for Trevor, you can follow him at Twitter at ShackDS. Um, and if you want to submit listener questions for an upcoming episode, uh, you can send us a message at CP Pointcast also on Twitter. Um, we'll send you updates about uh, new episodes being released. Um, yeah, that's all for today, folks. Adios.